0: over our favorite podcast. As usual, this podcast does contain spoilers. This week specifically for King Falls episode 54, Heart Shape Box. So as usual, you know the drill. If you haven't caught up, go listen. I'll be here when you get back. What is going on in the world? Um, First of all, happy Pride Month. So for those of you who are um, marching in parades, stay hydrated, stay safe because you know there's going to be a lot of counter-protesters out there. Let's see, what else? Uh, The debt ceiling crisis does appear to be over, at least for the next two years or so. Concessions were made on both sides, and while, as far as I know, the actual details have not been finalized yet, it does look like McCarthy got his hat handed to him. Although, Biden did decide to... Expand the work requirements for Medicaid and SNAP benefits, which I am not particularly happy about Um, There are already work requirements in place for these programs So I don't know exactly what this will mean for people receiving those benefits, but I guess at least they weren't cut Um, Russia has issued an arrest warrant for Lindsey Graham Um, it appears that Lady Lindsey at some point made a statement Uh, Something along the lines of, you know, Russia needs to pull out of Ukraine and that the U.S. has made a good investment in supporting Ukraine, which pissed off not only Russia but the rest of the GOP as well. But somewhere down the line, it looks like someone, probably an editor for Russia TV, took that statement and re-edited it so that now it basically says something to the effect of U.S. killing um. Russian soldiers is a good investment. Of course, Russian authorities got a hold of that and had to issue an arrest warrant, so I guess this means that uh, she won't be visiting Russia anytime soon. And I'm sure she's super heartbroken about that. New York has just passed a bill requiring that all of its electricity will be generated from renewable sources by 2030. This is one of the most aggressive green bills passed in the country. And I'm hoping that um, some other states follow suit. Probably not red states, because you know how they are. If they aren't burning fossil fuels and destroying the environment, well, then they're just not happy. Here's something a little more fun for everybody. Recently elected GOP district chair in Georgia, Candace Taylor, you might remember her from her campaign slogan, Jesus, Guns, and Babies was recently a guest on David Weiss's podcast stating that if people knew a tenth of what she knew about the globe, then they would be flat earthers too. Yep, she's a flat earther, people. She went on to say that they, whoever they are, and I'm wondering if they are in the room with us right now, Um, They are pushing a conspiracy with globes everywhere. that The Earth can't possibly be round. It's all a conspiracy. Because if it wasn't, then why do we have so many globes? Why is it every time you turn on the TV or go to the movies, you see that the Earth is round? Um, You know, if it were true, they wouldn't be pushing so hard. So, yeah, maybe that's more sad than funny. Um... But, yeah, science? I don't know. But seriously, folks, how do people like this manage to survive in the real world? How do they function? Like, I, I, I don't get it. Um, we need to take education way more seriously in this country. I'm just saying. Uh, finally, it looks like the World Health Organization has decided that, while it will never go away, COVID is no longer a global health emergency mostly thanks to vaccines. Of course, we knew that. So, if you haven't gotten vaccinated yet, go out, get vaccinated. Um, I don't know how you could have gotten this long without it, but, you know, whatever. You do you. Anyway, on with the show. As I said, this episode is called heart Shape Box. Um, it originally aired on July fifteenth, two 2017, we open with a clip of Bert Gladstone announcing that Howard Ford Beauregard III has just awarded Greg Citizen of the Year. He rudely hands the story over to Maggie Masterson to report on her interview with Greg, who she spoke with earlier that day. Greg, of course, is just honored to be even be on stage with men like Gunderson, Grisham, and HFB3. Greg was given the award for bringing Emily and Tim II back, Of course, Greg takes all the credit for it. Um, Maggie starts to say something about, you know, this is news to her because Maggie's not stupid. And this is the first time that she's hearing this story. But Gladstone, as usual, has to jump in and interrupt, um, telling her that if she's not more on the ball, she's going to end up working at King Falls AM. But he calls it that cut-rate radio station up on the mountain. The feed cuts and we hear a loud crash, which turns out to be Ben tossing the station TV across the studio. Sammy welcomes the listeners back and starts to ask Ben about the evening schedule, but Ben leaves the studio to take a walk around the building. Sammy takes this opportunity to open up the phone lines and take some calls. The first call comes through on the hotline, and it's Troy. He's calling to see if Ben is okay. Sammy confirms that Ben is indeed okay. He's just gone outside to cool off but their 1988 Zenith 27-inch is eh, not so much. Of course, Troy thinks that with all of that Patron money that Merv has them balling in, he should have upgraded them to a flat screen a long time ago anyway. Troy is sorry to have to be calling on the hotline. He did try to call Ben's cell, but it kept going to the voicemail, and he starts to suggest that maybe Sammy should go out and check on Ben, but before Sammy can cut to commercial and go... Um Ben comes back inside. Sammy tells him, you know, be careful, there's glass everywhere because someone broke the TV. And Ben in turn assures him that someone will clean it up on break. Sammy starts to tell Ben that they are live, but Troy cuts in saying that they tri- that he tried to call as soon as Loretta heard the program come on. Ben apologizes for breaking a TV that's older than him and assures Troy that he will replace it. But Troy's less worried about the TV than he is about Merv bringing Ben up on charges for destruction of property. Sammy jumps in and assures Troy that it was, in fact, an accident. He saw the whole thing. Ben however just wants to move on. He starts to change the subject, but Troy interrupts asking who Ben was on the phone with when he was outside on his walk. Ben just wants Troy to spit it out, but Troy doesn't want to talk about it on the air. Troy is worried that Ben was on the phone with Emily, but Ben said that he doesn't speak with Emily anymore. Um, And, you know, of course, he thinks that's for the best. Troy seems to ignore this statement and starts to tell Ben that he was returning some books to the library a few weeks ago, and he talked to Emily and told her the truth. He had to call Greg out for lying not just about Ben, but about other people, too. There were a lot of people that helped bring her back, and Greg was not one of them. Sammy asks, you know, shit, dude, what happened? And Troy said she was grateful, that she knew he and Ben were there, she's just confused about the details, and of course it's not helping with Greg lying to her all the time. Ben jumps in angrily asking, you know, why don't you guys just stop gossiping about Emily on the air? Um, You know, that's not fair to Emily, um, and it's none of their business. Sammy agrees. He's like, you know what? You're right. We shouldn't be gossiping about her on air, but Troy doesn't agree. Uh, He said he is not going to give up in the face of true love and that Ben and Emily belong together and the whole town knows it and he's not sorry. He's just not given up. Um, He says Ben is like a brother to him and sometimes brothers need to put the whoop ass on one another and Ben needs to just sit down and listen. Sammy wants to cut to commercial, but Ben's like, no, 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 go ahead. Tell me what you're going to tell me. Say it. You know, go on. So, yeah, he basically tells Troy, you know, bring it on. Tell me I'm a coward for letting Greg win or how I need to keep getting my heart broken every time I see her or talk to her. Um, And, of course, Ben, he's not blaming Emily because she's being lied to and it's, it's not her fault. But he's not putting himself through this kind of hell trying to break through to her either. He appreciates the concern and, you know, of course loves Troy and Sammy and everybody else for everything that they've done, um, but he's just tired of it. He appreciates their concern and loves them, but he's done. Troy apologizes and realizes that, you know, maybe it was Ben giving him the lesson instead of, you know, him giving Ben the lesson. And he says he'll stay out of it but he's going to keep pulling for them, even in private. Santa cuts to commercial, and it's Deacon Reggie. He's wanting us to put our hands together and make them pop like a big juicy booty on a Tuesday for the one, the only, Reverend Xavier Get Right with God Hawthorne. The Reverend comes on and tells us that the things are just not going well with the Get Right with God revival, um, at least not financially anyway. Money just is not going as far as it used to. And, you know, it's getting to the point where you have to pile into your buddy's trunk to go to a drive-in just to watch some spider boy slinging more white stuff than a teenage sleepover. Okay, I don't know what kind of sleepovers Xavier and Reggie went to as kids, um, but I'm certainly certainly glad that nobody was slinging any kind of white stuff at the ones I attended. I'm just saying. But anyway, they want to help us get more out of our money, specifically at Glory Holes Mini Golf for a Mighty God. Mention this ad, and the first two balls are on them. When we come back from commercial, Ben tells Sammy, he's like, dude, I can see you smirking from across the studio, and I can see the wheels turning, and Ben does not want Sammy to say what he thinks he's about to say. You know, this was a paid ad, and Sammy just needs to keep his mouth shut. But Sammy can't help it. He's giggling. And he wants to go line by line through the commercial, but, you know, of course, Ben's not having it. Uh, Sammy keeps giggling, but Benny redirects the conversation, wanting to take some calls while they're waiting for an upcoming interview. Sammy asks who they're interviewing, and Ben's like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I tried to call you before Troy called. And then, you know, but also, dude, check your email. Um, But come on, Sammy's not checking his email. We all know this. Sammy wants to just move all correspondence to Twitter because, you know, at least he checks that. Ben tells Sammy, you know what, fine, all right, I'll think about it, whatever. And then he tells the callers, you know, call in or tweet, go ahead and tweet some more garbage bear gifts. Um, Sammy's like, dude, I already did that while well, you're out on your walk. But, you know, apparently Ben's pleas for the listeners to stop sending him raccoon gifts and pics just is not working. And the listeners have redoubled their efforts shocking, I know. Um, ben points out that he is not afraid of, uh, of garbage bears after Sammy accuses him of being terrified. He's just cautious. Anyway, they go to the phone lines. Um, it's line eight. It's someone that we have heard before. Ben is like, it's the dude, you know, the one who called about the UFO being moved from Libbydale Dale to the Science Institute. Ben wants to know, you know, how this guy knew all about it, but the caller's like, I can't reveal my sources. Sammy's like, oh, it's the deep web, weirdo. Okay. Um, yeah, you need to stop calling with your conspiracy theory nonsense. Especially with Ben. I mean, come on. Ben is, is just very open to suggestion when it comes to this kind of thing. I mean, gotta love Ben, but come on, Ben. Anyway. Um, Ben's like, "Dude, you got to treat this caller with some respect." Sammy says there's no proof that, you know, it happened and makes the accusations that the next thing we know, he'll be claiming he was the gunman on the grassy knoll. The caller's like, "Of course he wasn't the gunman. That's nonsense. Everybody knows it was LBJ's right-hand man, Garth Lebowitz." So, naturally, Sammy's not buying into that either. Meanwhile, Ben is making note of the name, presumably to research it later, because, you know, that's how Ben rolls. Like I said, open to suggestion. Let's see. Sammy is convinced that this is all a joke, and they're just trying to get him to break. And, you know, jack-in-the-box Jesus, he is not listening to this tomfoolery all night long. Um, the caller's like, dude, can we just get to the point here? Uh, I need to talk to Ben about any plans that Ben may have for getting intel about the UFO, but he wants to take the call off the air and, you know, ac- accuses Sammy of wanting to quell the masses. Ben assures the caller that Sammy's heart is in the right place. He just has a hard time believing these things, even when they literally fall out of the sky in front of his face. Um, The voice tells Ben to keep an eye on Sammy, you know, friends close, enemies closer and all that. And he tells Sammy, you know, stay woke and, you know, how about let's switch to that secure line now. Um, He does have a few tips that he wants to share with Ben and the masked Avenger boy, who Sammy rightly assumes is the dark. Sammy tells Ben to hang up the phone, but Ben's like, nope, I'm just going to put the caller on hold and go take the phone off the air, presumably in the office or the broom closet, whichever. Um, The caller thinks this is a good idea to take the call away from enemy ears, and Sammy adds, hence sanity. The caller says it's not his sanity that everybody needs to be worried about, but the town's, because how can they believe that a UFO can be shot down with only two people on board. Ben's like, "Um, you know, are you saying there were more people? Because I was there, and yeah, there were only two people aboard the UFO. Um, But no, that's not what the caller's saying. He's saying he knows there were only two people on board. So why were there only two people on board? Um, Sammy tells Ben to be careful and not to drink the Kool-Aid, and Ben leaves to go drink the Kool-Aid. Sammy takes the next call. It's line two, and it's Mary. We love Mary. We love talking to Mary. Um, he's glad to hear from her, and she's like, yeah, you know, she doesn't get to stay up late very often between Tim and the kids, but when she does, you know, she always tunes into the show. Sammy asks how things are going, and Mary says, you know, well, they're they're complicated, but um, the kids are doing well. It's a little bit tougher for her and Tim, but... She didn't call to talk about herself, and for as much as she loves talking to Sammy, she really wants to talk to Ben. She heard him go off with Dark Vader and wants to know if he's coming back or if he's being indoctrinated. Mm -hmm. Sammy wonders the same thing at this point. Mary urges Sammy to keep an eye on Ben um, because, you know, yes, he is a grown little man, but he's not built to constantly go around trying to be everybody's hero. Sammy agrees and says that, you know, he tries, but Ben is his own man and he will be Ben. um, Before he can elaborate on anything, Ben does come back into the studio and greets Mary. Mary lays right into him, um, asking him just what the hell he thinks he's doing. Ben's confused because he just walks in and he's like, Sammy, what the hell is she talking about? Who's she yelling at? What did you do? But no, she's not talking to Sammy. She's talking to Ben. So, of course, he apologizes. He doesn't know what he's apologizing for, but whatever it is that has Mary upset, he's sorry he did it because he would never intentionally try to make her, a- make her mad. And, you know, he's asked, like, okay, you know what the hell are you mad at me for? She wants to know what all of this giving up on Emily business is about. He tells her, you know, that respectfully, it's none of her business, and that he just had this discussion with Troy, so, you know, please go copy his notes on the subject. He really doesn't want to go through it again, so that would be great. Um, He just wants a little respect and some privacy, which he knows is next to impossible since so much of his life gets broadcast over the air every night. She assures him that she does, in fact, respect him and his privacy, but just like Troy told him, it's not just about Ben. There were a whole mess of other people that helped bring her home that night. Ben acknowledges this. He knows that. He thanks her. He thanks the town. Um, Of course, she's like, I don't need thanks. She needs them to get married and start popping out some babies so that she can be babysitting. Because, you know, Mary, she's all about them babies. But really, she just can't believe how easily he gave up. And Ben comes back with, you know, he's assuring her that it was definitely not easy and that he did not give up she accuses him of giving up hope and where would she be if she gave up on tim so easily ben makes some smart ass remark about her having two tims which you know she's not thrilled about she calls him out on this and tells him that you know they helped her and the town helped her and ben agrees you know yeah you're right and he acknowledges again that that she and the town helped him too. Sammy interjects, noting that Greg did not help in any of this, and he was not even there. Ben says she, meaning Emily, is not listening, but Sammy chooses to believe that she is. Ben isn't discounting Mary's continuing troubles, but at what point do you just give up and realize that things aren't meant to be and just move on? You don't want to get old regretting a life that passed you by because you were so focused on, on something that's just not happening. And she agrees, no, yeah, you're right, but you also don't want to regret the things you didn't do or didn't try. And Ben agrees, but, you know, he's like, no, but this is just over. I'm done. Mary concedes. Um, she said her piece. And next week, she's heading over to Granny Frickers, and she's going to say another piece to Greg. Even Sammy's like, "Mm, you know, that that may not be the best idea, Mary. Maybe we shouldn't be doing that. Um, Then, when she's done, she's marching over to the library and giving Emily a piece of her mind, or better yet, giving her a piece of her own mind back. Mary does not condone violence, but thinks that if someone should put a hint on a boot and bounce it off her perky little rear end, Mary wouldn't mind at all. Ben begs her, he's like, please don't do this, and again, Sammy agrees, you know, yeah, we shouldn't be confronting either one of them in public like that. Ben reminds Mary that he has fought and will continue to fight his own battles in his own way. And he does emphasize this, you know, the in his own way and in his own time. Mary takes the hint and she's glad to hear it. So Sammy asks you, okay, does this mean that you won't be going out and, you know, doing these things that you said? And Mary just laughs it off like, of course not. The town already thinks she's crazy with her Tim situation and she doesn't need, you know, to pile on with this. Ben appreciates this and since he has her on the line and speaking of Tim's, he hates to bring this up, but Mary knows where he's going with this and tells him, you know, go on ahead, ask your question. Sammy jumps in and says, no, he doesn't need to ask it. He, you know, he doesn't need to keep being stupid. Um, but Mary tells him, you know what, hush and let Ben act a fool. Ben reminds her that they do have visual proof that a Tim, maybe not hers, but a Tim, was driving the truck with the UFO to the Science Institute, and she tells him he knows damn well that this is not her Tim. Ben thanks her and tells her, you know, he just wanted to make sure. Before they can continue, the hotline rings and Ben says that they have to cut the call short because he needs to take this incoming call. They have an interview. She tells them both to go out and be big radio stars and don't forget to call her later. And they assure her they will. Before Ben can tell Sammy who's calling, Sammy picks up the phone and it's Freddie Osborne from King Falls Forever. Ben asks Freddie, you know, did you call and leave a voicemail a few days ago? Freddie's like, yes, of course he did. And he thought the boys would like to report on what's going on down at the Peace Garden. Sammy says he hasn't heard the voicemail and asks Freddie to you know, fill him and the listeners in. As it would happen, the missing hiker lady who went down for the dirt nap, they reported on a while back, had her funeral services at King Falls Forever this week. Sammy reminds Freddie that Caroline Vaughn um, did live in town, and could he please be a little bit more respectful? Freddie apologizes. He didn't mean any harm, and Sammy's like, you know, he gets it. That's okay. Um, It's just that the story's a little fresh at the moment. Freddie continues with, you know, it's kind of funny you would choose those words because after her unfortunate passing, they were the ones dealing with her final resting place, And he wouldn't expect it to be a hot topic of conversation, of course, but as things are, he's a man with a pretty good nose for things. Sammy doesn't get it, so, you know, of course, Freddy has to say that he's been known to schedule a night off on a full moon and admonishes Sammy for mentioning werewolves because, you know, of course, Sammy's like, oh, it's the werewolf thing. Um... Ben chastises Sammy as well for his attitude. But regardless, Freddie continues and tells them that she had a real nice ceremony, but the problem is that Miss Caroline Vaughn isn't there anymore. Ben asks Freddie, he's like, well, okay, did you report this? And Freddie said, you know, that he tried to call Channel 13 tip line, but he was put on hold by somebody and they never picked back up. Sammy doesn't believe any of this and thinks it's disrespectful for a mythological creature because now he's avoiding the W word to spread these kinds of rumors. You know, she was a young woman who lost her life, not some dead celebrity hiding out in King Falls because he likes Rose's sandwiches. And, of course, there's no reason to bring Big E into this. She was a real-life woman who is no longer with us and... They are putting this crazy talk out in the world, which they shouldn't be doing. Freddie says that if Sam doubts him, they have a backhoe down there at the Peace Garden, and they could take care of this right now. Sammy goes on to say that if they had lost someone important in their lives, they wouldn't want to hear about things like this, especially not over the radio like that. Um, Ben interrupts angrily, reminding Sammy that he has, in fact, lost someone and he comes in every night and has to hear about it live on the air. So he gets it. Uh, Sammy apologizes and Freddy hollers for Escobar, Pete, to bring the backhoe around and asks Sammy, he's like, fine, when are you coming down? We can you know, verify this anytime with, at your earliest convenience. Sammy tries to apologize, but Freddy is still upset that Sammy insulted him, his honor, and his kind. But he will be happy to prove his point at Sammy's earliest convenience. Ben thanks him for the call and says that they will um, report this to the proper channels. And Freddie thanks them and tells them that, you know, in the meantime, maybe they could do something useful and figure out just where this missing hiker went missing to and hangs up. Sammy starts to say that he didn't mean to be disrespectful, and Ben reminds Sammy that You know what, just because we talk about things like get-togethers down at the Main Street Park doesn't mean that we don't talk about other things too, you know, real things, real subjects. Sammy agrees that a little bit of respect does go a long way, and again, he apologizes. Ben reminds him that respect is a two-way street, and Sammy needs to be, you know, respectful as well. Um, Sammy doesn't get to pick and choose which stories get respect and which ones don't. And that is the end of the episode. Let's see. What have I got? I don't have any plugs. I'm still so far behind on podcasts. And I need to catch up because I start my job. I know I said I got a new one. I started on June 12th. So, like, a week and a half from now. Um. Anyway, once I get caught up and can start listening to something new, I will put some plugs back out there for y'all. In the meantime, this has been Shotgun Saturday Nights. It is recorded and edited by myself, Dana Olson. Our opening is Get Ready by Fezline Studios, and our closing music is The Slumber of the Blackwoods by As Above, So Below. Follow us on Twitter at ShotgunSammy71, Shotgun Saturday Nights on Facebook, or you can email your questions, comments, and suggestions to Nights at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, share, and review. And once again, happy Pride Month. Y'all have a good week.